Welcome to The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. I'm one of your hosts, Michael, and I am really enjoying my royal life aquatic. And this week I'm joined by my co-host and friend and the man that I would say is fantastic and grand, the wonderful Mr. Jesse. How you doing? Trying to wrap my mind around what you just said, but uh, <laughs> nice, nicely done, sir. Um, I'm good. I, uh, I'm, re- I'm ready for this. Let's get lucky. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yeah, uh, this week we're going to be talking about something we probably should have done earlier in this month, um, <laughs> almost probably about a week or so ago. Uh, but we're going to be talking about and honoring the birthday of one of American America's most interesting filmmakers, uh, most uh, particular. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, has a very specific artistic look and feel to many of his cinematic movies. Uh, Wes Anderson. Uh, it's happy belated birthday to Wes Anderson. So we're just fat late, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's not many filmmakers who are who have as large of a following of fans who adore him, and a probably equally large volume of people who just really don't give a shit. I mean, it's, it's really interesting talking about some of his movies with people who don't enjoy him as opposed to people who really love him. Yeah, that's fair. It's a real interesting. Uh, he, he, I, it's like he's like he's very decisive, I feel like when like people do like truly love or hate his movies and uh-huh. um or I should say love, hate, or are just completely indifferent to them. But it just feels like how many people I have verbally have expressed that opinion to me verbally. Um, you think he would be like much more like it, the, the conversations would be much more heated. Most people are just like, ah, I'm not really that big of a fan of him. And people that yeah. really enjoy him are just like, but the, like the visuals and stuff. And they're like, eh, it's just not my cup of tea. And that's usually just kind of where it goes, which yeah. I feel is, almost like a conversation that would happen in a Wes Anderson film. Uh, <laughs> so there's so, that level. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, the fans just reflect who, who he really is. So I don't know, man, it, but it is weird. Um, it's not that, you know, people vehemently, I think oppose him as a director or like loathe him in his work. It's more just like, yeah, not for me. Just, complete indifference it's 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 really fascinating yeah it's it is kind of interesting to see like just how um i think i came relatively late i say relatively late but he's only been doing movies since like the early um like really been i feel like 2001 which i say isn't that long ago but i mean uh it's all two decades yeah it's it's just just a just just a two decades old movie maker now at this point. But um, I I think I, I don't remember actually really starting to get into his movies until probably um, the fantastic Mr. Fox uh, when we were uh, just like the year after we graduated from high school, Jesse to date us. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. But that was mostly because it was a stop motion movie. And I'm, again, like I said many times before, I'm a sucker for those types of things. So I was super into the idea of it and seeing another like major motion picture stop motion thing. So uh, I think I took a girl on a date there. Um, that's that's all I really remember from that encounter. <laughs> nice, nice. And you said this was just after we graduated. I think so. it was uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, what we graduated in two thousand eight. Yeah, Mr. Fox came out in two thousand and nine, so a year or so after we graduated from word, high school. Word. Ah. so during during one of the college days, then mm -hmm. fun for you. Um, yeah, that was that was a really interesting time to be dating, both <laughs> good and bad. But yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I've had a very complicated relationship with Wes Anderson, I would say, because on the one hand, <clears throat> I didn't really get into his movies in any sort of way when we were in high school, man. Um, I remember I, I saw a couple of his movies. Um, Royal Ten Bombs was definitely one. Um, I think it was the Darjeeling Limited was another one mm -hmm. and really that was kind of it like i hadn't seen some of his earlier earlier work um or the life aquatic so i just don't really have that nostalgia for him like some people do like you know sitting with your friends in a movie theater watching bottle rocket for the first time and loving it and like having that level of nostalgia that some people do um but i did find that kind of the older and let's be frank, the wiser that I got uh, from that point. Um, I did start to see, you know, some of his qualities as a director shine through more than some of the things that I didn't like about his movies and started paying attention to him more and revisiting some of that stuff that I hadn't seen or had seen. And, you know, some of the stuff that I hadn't seen and check that out for the first time. And, you know, he just kind of grew on me uh, from that point. Um, like, I just admire how much he loves film and how much effort and quality he puts into creating his movies. And I think apart from him being unabashedly committed to his style, I think that's probably why I, I, he's really grown on me uh, over the last 10 years or so. Yeah, I did to say it's interesting to me that um, in kind of doing a little bit of research here for this, uh, just kind of the conversations that people have around him as uh, an artist, many people say like, oh, he's uh, essentially just puts out the same thing. He's not actually like he just puts out the same thing again and again and again and again, and he doesn't actually do anything creative. Um and it's so interesting that people kind of have that type of opinion where they're just so decisive on, is he really just putting out the same thing again? Is he really actually doing anything new or different? But then also, is he real an artist or is he just stuck in the same uh, rut? Or this is his style and therefore you should respect the fact that he has such a clear and decisive style to how he does things. Um, just i don't know i'm always so curious about <laughs> because 
it's really interesting to like look at and analyze it because uh, by the time I really started getting into him, I felt like college time, I was doing a lot more production stuff for theater classes. And so I was truly looking at his artistic style and his yeah. use of colors and the use of um, just so many of the things he did. It just inspired me to push that forward in my artistic visions uh, that I had and try to make sure that I was so true to them and that I could keep something where literally anyone could look at it and say like, oh, that's a this person's piece type thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that perspective of, you know, wanting someone to try something new as a creator, I think. I don't know. That's just something that a lot of great ones have done. And so it seems like everyone needs to fit under that same umbrella. But I don't think it makes him any less creative that he doesn't move away from his preferred preferred style. Because look how many fucking movies he's made (laughs) under that style and all the different ideas he's come up with for his scripts and his settings and even his uh whether he's working in animation or not um that that's really impressive to me that i'm like (laughs) you see how many good ideas you can come up with over the same thing again and again and again it's it's really hard yeah so i don't you know i can i get it but i don't think that should really detract from him as a filmmaker in any way Mm mm-hmm I mean, yeah, uh, it's always it's always an interesting thing when people talk about like, oh, this actor or this like director has like such a particular style. And I think I, I come to think of those things like um, Michael Bay. People talk a lot about like him having that very uh, South Park makes a great joke about him just like blowing stuff up. And that's sure his quote unquote artistic style is I'm going to blow this up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but, but see, I think the difference there is that I I feel like Wes Anderson is almost always producing something of quality. Mm-hmm. Whereas <laughs> Michael Bay's level of quality differs drastically when you compare one movie to another, especially from uh, different decades. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, like yeah, that's I get it. That's kind of a weak comparison, I think. Truly, it is sometimes. But I do want to like say that, you know, people talk about these directors like uh, Quentin Tarantino and like his sure. foot fetish. Um, yeah, his movies are fucking weird, too. But, yeah. I mean, God, I love some of them so much. But <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, yeah, I just I, there's so many of them. Where I just go back and forth and look at it and say, like, yep, that's so interesting to me that they spend that time and spend that effort uh like he does on these movies where he has such a very clear artistic vision that it just comes through so vividly um Mm -hmm. and just you can't not unsee it i guess (laughs) yeah i mean his scripts aren't always i think the strongest um around some of these premises but Man, his visuals almost always move me in like some type of profound way, even if I'm not super invested in the story, you know? And 
<laughs> like Royal Tenenbaums, like uh, when Gwyneth Paltrow meets her brother at the <laughs> fucking station there. And like, it's a fucking scene about a brother and a sister who are in love. So it's fucking weird. But <laughs> um, I mean, those shots and those colors and this, uh, the soundtrack that kicks in at that point, like this shit will move you in really profound ways and make you feel something. And that's what I find to be very impressive about his work. Cause that's, I think hard to do. Yeah. I think maybe this is a good point. We kind of talk a little bit about his, uh, his history. Cause I think that, uh, informs heavily on his movies that he makes later in his life is like these, why he makes these artistic choices and why he does certain things. So, yeah, I think that'd be great. So, uh, Wesley Wales Anderson, what a great name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One more time. Wesley Wales Anderson. That is like dangerously close to a Stan Lee name. <laughs> I know, right? Super close. Um, <laughs> uh, was born in uh, Houston, Texas uh, in uh, 1969, uh, May 1st, obviously, since we just were talking about his birthday being about a week or so old. Um, and his parents, uh, were, he was the second son of three boys, um, two brothers. Uh, so you, the, the proverbial middle child should inform you on some of his potential artistic choices that he goes forward with. Uh, he essentially uh, lived in Texas with his parents until he was about eight when his uh, parents divorced. Um, his older brother uh, went on to be a physician. Uh, his younger brother went on to be a writer and um, artist uh, painter, designer type stuff, and has actually appeared in several of Anderson's films himself. Um, so super cool and fun for that. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so he, uh, graduated from, um, St. John's school in Houston in 1987, which later was used as a location for the movie Rushmore. Um, one of his earlier films, uh, he used to do as many kids probably that, uh, grew up in that time frame that later became, you know, directors, uh, practice with super eight, uh, film. Um, so he used to make silent films with his brothers and friends as they do at that age, um, where he went on to write, uh, stories and essentially use that as like kind of his groundwork for many of his later stories. Again, as a young child, finding himself crazy, crazy. It's almost like these are active themes. Uh, He then later went on um, to attend the University of Texas at Austin. During that time, he worked as a part-time cinema projectionist. Uh, So, you know, doing the reels and everything else like that. And while at college, uh, he met his roommate uh, and his future collaborator, uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah, that's right. They did meet each other uh, fairly young. Yeah. So it makes sense when you know that part where you're like, this guy keeps just showing up in this dude's movies. Um, it's because they've been friends, uh, for, uh, since, uh, 1989. Um, so they've been as they've been friends as long as I've been alive. So, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he graduated, uh, with a BA in philosophy. Again, surprising when you look at so many of his pieces (laughs) and they say the philosophy degree is worthless, (laughs) right? 
So that's like uh, his early life, which is kind of interesting because we talk about that and um, kind of some of his movies and stuff like that. And I feel like the other director we've done this with, with um, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, I feel like there was a lot more going on. I feel like his his rise to this popularity has just been so interesting to me because it's so just kind of like, yeah, he was a dude and he did things. And, you know, his early life did inform him on his movies, but it's nothing crazy where I feel like he truly had some of the same struggles. Um, not to say that he hasn't struggled, but just he doesn't seem to be like this glorious, uh, like backstory. That's truly critically informed him on his career. Just basic, a, a young American boy who grew up and then was just like, I like making movies. So I'm going to make movies. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. He had a, I'd say fairly graceful transition into this career like it didn't seem to be that much of a struggle for him yeah <laughs> would suggest he's probably just naturally gifted at a lot of this shit yeah it has a very particular eye for it i think is the uh, way to go about it yeah usually when you are successful that young after you know your education like that's <laughs> like most people we struggle a little right to mm -hmm. get where we go and some of these assholes just come out and are immediately really great at something <laughs> so we get to be envious of them yeah um so uh his earliest uh film was um bottle rocket like you were saying in 19 uh 1996 mm -hmm. uh based on a short film by the same name um and did it performed poorly uh but then he his next film uh rushmore uh did slightly better i mean when you have i think that's one of the big things is that when you can pull in actors like uh owen wilson and uh bill murray into your wow. um uh, ensemble cast uh you're able to really start rising to prominence i feel like in many of these instances so well, I, I can't imagine Bill Murray was working for much <laughs> at that point. Um, right. Like, no offense to him, but like his career had kind of stalled slash tanked as a, mm -hmm. a lead actor prior to Wes Anderson. So in a way, like, that's that was the best way for Murray to actually get good roles was to keep working for Wes Anderson. And I'm sure Owen Wilson, too, to that same degree. Or a similar yeah. degree. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and then from that point on, uh, many of these movies, I feel like uh, I didn't know. I didn't know if Rushmore was one of his until uh, later in life, um, doing a little bit deeper of a dive. But then you start getting into like things like the Royal Tenenbaums, um, mm -hmm. uh, Moonrise Kingdom. I remember be being very popular. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people talking about that. Uh, life Aquatic. Um uh, and it just kind of goes, to, and I feel like it just snowballs from there is that many of these movies have just become so iconic. Um, and it was even something where uh, we re I think we went and saw Dune and uh, I was surprised to see that he had a movie coming out. I didn't even know it was coming out. And I was uh, yeah. actually very disappointed that uh, Lindsay went and saw it without me, uh, which seems to be a trend in our household is that there's a movie <laughs> I don't verbalize that I'm like, I want to go see this. And then she goes and sees it. And then I'm like, well, why did you tell me? um we have since ratified that now i have to verbally say i want to see that movie i was about to say i mean now that grievance is forever 
public knowledge. So <laughs> it's my own fault. It's it all doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know either that he had a recent movie coming out, and I also because didn't Edgar Wright have a movie that came out in the fall? I think so. I think that was right. Yeah. And I remember texting you and Kevin. I'm like, I had no idea either of these guys had movies coming out until like a week ago. Like they didn't market these films at all. It seemed. Yeah. Which was interesting. Cause it, it just doesn't, I'm just like, why wouldn't you want like to? They're, they're famous directors, you know? And you, it's not like they haven't put out awesome. good stuff either. This isn't like they had like a bad slump of movies that just aren't good. Like, no, they're both still <laughs> solid. Like I would be curious to know that I would, be a little more excited for the movie <laughs> slate of last year and I, I just had no idea yeah but yeah i mean where do you want to go next jesse you want to talk about your favorite movie of wes anderson or some of the ones you enjoy do you want to talk about the artist particular artistic style because i'd love to talk about that type of stuff where do you want to go from here i i think we can do that i just real quickly wanted to offer a few <laughs> We'll call random thoughts on like his <laughs> career. Um, I will say first off, I I do remember reading that Ball Rocket was a commercial failure, so that kind of sucked for him uh, at the start. But I would say I think I enjoyed Bottle Rocket more than I enjoyed Rushmore. Like Rushmore is an interesting like. I guess it's almost like kind of a fantasy movie, dude, because it's just completely fucking absurd from a, a story and script perspective. Like, it, it just would never happen anywhere. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point to make out because that's actually something I was going to talk about in the uh, artistic style that he presents. Um, yeah. But it. I I think that would help because like <laughs> when I that's I kind of had a hard time with that one the first time I was like dude this movie is fucking bonkers <laughs> what is happening this teenager is finding himself in situations in way too many situations no teenager should ever be in. yeah I mean so I think that's one of the big parts of a Wes Anderson film at least as I see it um and again i'm no like authority on these types of things so i'm just trying to share my thoughts well, uh because it, it's been bugging the shit out of me so i think that's one of the big parts of them is that he takes characters and situations and they are um, and i've seen this term used before is he makes shoebox dioramas or uh doll houses and he takes these characters who are your main characters in a Wes Anderson movie are usually uh, quite flawed, um, have some sort of problem or deficiency uh, that they're dealing with. They're usually outsiders, um, outside of the norm of the current situation or are usually acting counter to what their roles are. So you have, and this is probably because he is a uh, young boy, uh, picked up some of these tendencies where he has probably the feeling of children that act like adults and adults that act like children. And mm -hmm. so I think that's why Rushmore is so particularly like that is because it is just a Wes Anderson movie about essentially a, ch a, a child 
acting like an adult and getting stuck in situations that they shouldn't be in. And I feel like that comes up in so many of these situations. You look at, um, I mean, Moonrise Kingdom is an entire situation about that, where it's just uh, kids going around and essentially trying to start a life with themselves, just these two young kids that are outsiders. Uh, the, the Royal Tenenbaums are all these adults acting like children in the sense that you have the daughter who is still going through a teenage rebellion of not doing what her parents tell her to do. And she's still, she's like a goth girl with blonde hair. Um, she essentially rebels against them. Uh, you have the boy in, um, Ish, Ish, what's, what's his name? In Isle of Dogs. It's Japanese and I feel terrible for not being able to pronounce it. We'll just call him the boy for right now. Um, he essentially is going on this grand adventure and trying to essentially battle the government because he wants his dog back. Like such a childhood thing, a, a childish thing, but also something that is so particular and so clear that it is about a young boy trying to do something. So I think that's a big part of Rushmore is that it is a young boy acting as if they were an adult and putting put in a situation that they wouldn't actually be put in if it was a real world thing. Cause he makes a diorama of this fake world that kind of showcases it to us. So at least that's my thoughts on what, what I usually pull from him as an, uh, an art tour. I think, yeah, as some people like to call him, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is another uh, divisive point in the mm -hmm. film community. So beware that conversation, but, uh, I think everything you just said is on point. Um, that actually helps explain some of that to me because uh, I <laughs> thought it was maybe just bad writing, but I, maybe not so much. Um, but I will say, I think one of the things I think is kind of cool about him is that there's a lot of people who would say, who would each have like a different opinion on what their favorite Wes Anderson movie is, mm -hmm. you know, like he doesn't have, he's had, he's had some that I think are probably more critically acclaimed, uh, especially over the last 10 years or so. But I think based on how the story or the premise resonates with you, it probably has a, a big say in like what your favorite movie of his is. I don't think there's anyone that's like a universal favorite amongst his fan base. And that, that could just be me saying things, but I, I think that's true to at least some degree. No, I agree with you. I think there's several, you can have several people in a room and have all very drastic opinions on what their favorite uh, Wes Anderson film is. And even what their like, why it's their favorite. Um, wow. because I think they just back to the ideas and the themes of his movies. It's a lot of character stories and situations that are particularly unrealistic. And I think it just wow. showcases the ways that humans and non-humans for the, uh, particular movies that have those, um, 
interact and work in those environments. And that allows for people to be able to emotionally put themselves in those moments. Um, I definitely think I have gone back and forth on what my favorite Wes Anderson movies are. And I do think it's because of the different points I am in my life and I can connect better with certain characters or have a better understanding of what they're going through or what they are feeling at those points. So, yeah, it's just so hard. I, 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 it's hard to nail down those types of conversations. Yeah. Um, he definitely, I think <laughs> has the most spice to, to some of his, those conversations you can have about him as a filmmaker, which is cool. Um, I also say one way you can always tell, you know, at the very least, you know, how well respected a director is in the community. You just look at the quality of the actors who have worked with them over, you know, you know, the over his entire career. Um, and unless it's like a bunch of franchise stuff, you know, where sometimes directors get tied to actors they would rather not be working with or who wouldn't be their first choice, at least and vice versa. I think for a guy who came up through the Indies and has really stayed kind of in his own lane and away from all that, like Wes Anderson has, the fact that so many amazing actors have worked with him over his career, I think uh, has, you know, it bodes very well for him. Um, and I think it's a sign of, you know, uh, how much he is respected. Very true. <laughs> yeah. Especially, I mean, Hackman, you know, was one. Murray, of course. Um, you know, you've had Edward Norton. You've had you know, all these great actors uh, and actresses as well. So I think that's pretty cool. And it, it just keeps happening. Like, he, he appeals, I think, to a wide, a wide span of, you know, talented people. And that's can tell you a lot about a director is, like, the reoccurring it can tell you a lot about a director, the reoccurring actors that come through their movies, because clearly that means that they enjoy working with him, that they enjoy mm -hmm. how he runs his movies. Mm -hmm. And therefore they're like, no, I want to do this again. I want to spend my time and maybe it won't be the most successful movie or won't bring me the, uh, you know, the, the big bucks uh, in the end of it, but it's truly an ability to, I feel like, push kind of an envelope in art style. I think, I don't think of, I can't think of any other director or um, anyone putting out the movies in the styles that he does. So I think it does allow them to be kind of like, I'm going to do something that's very off, off kilter from traditional movie making conventions and allow them to actually stretch their wings a little bit. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, he's only been doing it really for what 20 25 years we said mm -hmm. so he's really just kind of in his prime now as a director you know with all the experience he's had and how much he's learned on the foundation of what is apparently an already considerable wealth of knowledge and efficiency um and i feel like some of the directors who were highly acclaimed or revered when we were in you know, maybe elementary school and high school like those guys some of those guys have kind of teetered off over the last 10 15 years and have either not been working or just been 
not nearly as good as they used to be. So I think Wes Anderson has, you know, if anything, he's kind of aged like a fine wine and is, you know, still putting out good work each time, it seems. No signs of slowing down. No, not at all. I mean, he's got, well, I was looking at his, uh, I am, uh, IMDB page and he has, uh, one movie in post production, uh, should come out here this year and one movie that is currently filming. So, um, yeah, fuck like some people have like picked up a hobby during quarantine and this guy <laughs> made sure he got movies out and back to back years and signed on for a third project. Exactly. <laughs> like that. That's dedication, man. That's right. Like, sometimes I don't even want to do like my laundry when I get home from work. <laughs> yeah, he's quite quite a go getter. <laughs> so mad respect for that. Yeah. So, um, would you like to talk about the your movies that you enjoy? I know we just discussed like it's hard to nail down exactly one, or even in a room of people, it's very so much, but. Yeah, um, I uh, I think visually speaking, I mean, Royal Tenenbaums is really just a gorgeous film to watch. And it has so many vivid colors and such a unique palette. And I love the way he frames everything and really says a lot just by the scenes that he sets, which I think is cool. Um, but I think it also, you know, it's... It's visually probably the best. I think story-wise, it's mostly it mostly works for me. Some parts are weird, but uh, no, I I think that's definitely one and that I've come to admire more uh, over the last you know ten years or so. And I think especially having really just you know gained even more respect for Gene Hackman and his career too. Like that always takes me back to that one. Very. I mean, that's one of those ones I do feel like is really um, has a very interesting motifs that uh, with like, like I was saying earlier, like the daughter that's rebelling, uh, the son that's running away from the, you know, his life because his uh, wife died. So he's wearing a tracksuit the entire time. Yeah. Um, the relationship between the uh the the son and the daughter that are, you know are secretly in love uh just so many of the characters in this and then the mom that's like semi indifferent to all of it <laughs> yeah yeah it's just great how the characters traits really translate so well into the actual scenes and the positioning of those characters in those scenes. Like you can find so many shots of, you know, Ben Stiller, like either watching or if not standing directly over his two sons, you know, like just always on alert, always ready to, you know, jump in and save them at a moment's notice, like just really tapping into how, 
you know, how damaged that guy is and, you know, how he's really just trying, he's trying to be a great dad, but he's, he's overdoing it so badly, but not because, you know, he doesn't care. It's just, you know, he's suffered a loss and that's how he's coping with it. Yeah. It's a solid one. I mean, yeah. I think also there, the house is just, uh, itself has a lot of, I want to say primary, but primaries I feel is incorrect. Um, pastels, uh, colors, but like each room is so like specific with how it's painted and how it's yeah. showcased. Uh, it just is a feast for the eyes visually, uh, to use a cliche, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's a good one. Um, I, I really did enjoy bottle rocket. I think in some ways, and I, at least partly because it was his first film. I think that one's his most grounded movie that he's had. And I think that uh, it has characters who are, as you said, outsiders who, you know, are acting childish, etc. But I feel like I, I grew up with guys who are like that, who I could easily see finding themselves in a situation like that. So I think for me, it just resonated a little bit more because I could kind of draw on a personal experience and you know see how that might have played out in my actual life. Fair. Um, it's been a while since I've seen Bottle Rocket, so I'm not as familiar with that one as I yeah. am with s several of the other ones. I, th I think I saw, again, when I went through a Discovering Anderson kick in mm -hmm. college, um, I saw it, and now you're talking about it. Maybe I'll have to add it back into my queue. Oh, good. It's on HBO. I can just easily watch that. Wonderful. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I also thought that was a really strong movie for Owen Wilson as an actor, which I've seen him play the same role so many times now that I sometimes forget that he is <laughs> talented, which I, it happens to guys who get typecast and who just keep getting paid to do the same thing. You know, there's that, that, that concept again, but uh, yep. um, it happens because you don't really see them go outside of that zone that often. Um, but this I thought was, a, a stark contrast to what I mostly thought he was capable of. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. He's <laughs> had some other good movies too, though. Like, uh, I always thought Behind Enemy Lines wasn't bad. Again, Gene Hackman, too. Hold on two seconds, pulling that one up. <laughs> Again, all those ones that are... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That came out around the same time. I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah, right. It so I mean, yeah. is always known for the wow guy. So it yeah. is true that it's nice to have him, like kind of quirky, like but you know very lovable and like charming and all that shit. So. Just the the nice friend you want to have around. Yeah, but not really someone you should compete against for women. So. <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably not go well for you yeah um, but no i i so i was just impressed by that um i thought they had a good cast overall so when i was doing my you know discovering anderson kick 
you know, that kind of encouraged me to check out some of his other things that I hadn't seen before. So that along with Tenenbaums, I think kind of made me a fan of his. So. I mean, that's not a bad thing to be, uh, uh, to, to push you into being a fandom. Yeah. Like if your first movie is really fucking solid, it's probably a good sign for (laughs) not always like sometimes that backfires, but, uh, in this case, I mean, that movie wasn't like we said, it wasn't a, a critical or commercial success. Um, it didn't make, it lost a lot of money. So to come back from that too, I think is to be respected. Um, Otherwise, dude, I I did say Rushmore is kind of hit or miss for me. Um, maybe if I saw it again after your explanation, it would do better. Um, what do you think of Life Aquatic? Uh, I go back and forth on that one. I feel like parts of uh, parts of that movie I love. Uh, I love the blue blue and red uh, color palette um, that is kind yeah. of the overarching theme of it, or the overarching. Um, color palette of the movie uh i do struggle though with many of the portions i feel bill murray's character is a little too um for a lack of a better term rapey um <laughs> than i like to see um yeah. but in the same hand that's another big wes anderson uh motif for his characters is someone who is flawed and contradictory to their own selves he has this like high moral stand or the quote-unquote higher higher moral wow he has this quote-unquote higher moral code but Mm -hmm. then also subsequently um (laughs) is somebody who does stuff like that that he is essentially trying to mosey his way into having sex with this girl that is clearly interested in his um son so it's just an interesting situation that he gets put in and i don't know it's just such a i mean peculiar movie like there's so many parts that i love about it there's so many parts that i just am like oh god we're we're at this scene okay well i can struggle through this because i know that there's going to be another scene here momentarily that's going to be amazing so yeah sounds like it was kind of an anxious movie for you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that definitely is something that bothers me about this. And overall, one of the overarching themes about his movies that I think sometimes it, it's fine and sometimes it just doesn't work for me is a lot of his characters are just so fucking awkward in their own sexuality um and then sometimes it feels genuine and i empathize with them and sometimes it it just doesn't work for me like you said it you know rapey (laughs) yeah and i I think that's definitely a flaw here especially because bill murray was getting pretty old when he made this movie too right well that's just weird yeah it's just so it's hard to get behind the guy who would do something like that and think Mm -hmm. it's you know yeah um it's 
one of the, I think one of the more visually interesting movies that he has when they're doing like the aquatic scenes. And that's what I really love about it. And like the whole, yeah. again, that um, I talked to you earlier about the uh, shoebox diorama, the um, uh, storybook uh, dollhouse type motif. And you look at a Wes Anderson movie and this one screams that with the whole, like, this is the boat. This is this thing. Look at this. Um, it's very, it has that, those images that I really love, but yeah, sometimes the story, I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy the story all the way through. It's kind of Bill Murray's character and it just, yeah, kind of doesn't sell it for me sometimes. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I think that's probably his most controversial film. It seems to me just reading the vastly uh different opinions that people have on it and some are you know defending it as a an unappreciated classic and others are saying this movie is fucking too much <laughs> like what is wrong with this you know so it, it's weird yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fault anybody for saying that this movie's too much <laughs> no not at all so but i like most of his other movies, I feel like, you know, even if people are indifferent to it, this is the one I think that gets the strongest negative reactions. Yeah, that's fair. I can't think of many others that um, publicly have such a strong reaction. I do have to say, though, kind of if we're talking about negative reactions, um, uh, his most recent movie, The French Dispatch, um, I saw that and I was a little, little disappointed with it. Um, yeah. not that I hated it or didn't like it. Uh, I just was kind of like, I saw it and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that was a thing. Um, parts of it kind of felt like he essentially wanted to do a bunch of short stories and then was just like, no one was like going to pay him for some of these. So he was just like, Oh, well I'll put them all together in this kind of peculiar convention, uh, story conventions description and that will be how i tell all these short stories that i want to tell um mm. and that's i was kind of just like oh okay cool like that usually doesn't work if you don't advertise it as such yeah i didn't yeah it was i don't know it just was so peculiar and odd and um i liked many parts of it and again i just he does such a great job with so many of the parts of incorporating different uh, mixed media uh, into it that he does stop motion. He does uh, live action in this. He does some animation stuff in this one. And it that those parts I really enjoyed, like the whole spectrum of art styles of going back and forth. He does some black and white stuff. He does some uh, oversaturation. So it's a very visually interesting movie but like some of the stories that are told in it i'm just like i don't care about this and again i'm sensing i'm starting to sense a theme with some of his stuff there's a scene where he has uh, uh this lady standing naked um and it just kind of the whole situation just kind of feels awkward to me um and just might might be it might just be my personal uh feeling and viewpoint but it does just kind of i'm like uh did we really need this wes <laughs> i don't think this really advanced our story all that much it is kind of 
I I get why you put it here because then the next scene kind of and I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it. Um, I was like, I, I kind of understand why this scene happened like this way, but also did we really need this like long lingering moments? <laughs> maybe that was just his COVID brain at work. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But I, I mean, that's like the only, I think that's been the only one where I've truly been like, eh, I don't know if I really like this one as much as I enjoy several of his others on first viewing. Cause that's like a big thing too, is that I don't, I don't think I've ever, except for the French dispatch come away from a Wes Anderson movie going uh, on first viewing going, that wasn't what I wanted or that left me not really fulfilled. So it was just an interesting experience. I think I had with that particular movie. Hmm. Well, that's disappointing. Um, I have not seen it yet myself. Um, and my wife is not a super huge fan of Wes Anderson. Um, so it's usually me seeking this stuff out on my own. So I, I guess I should keep an eye. It's probably streaming at this point, right? Uh, it looks like you can get on HBO. So I think they might have a stranglehold on Anderson's stuff. Yeah, they, they seem to be locking up a lot of things these days. Um, that Discovery merger must be going well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I'll check it out. I, you know, I, don't all and that's the thing too like i don't always seek his movies out like immediately when they are released like he's someone i just don't feel an urgency with so to speak and maybe that's because he's not super popular with you know a lot of the people that we hang out with or you know in my case my wife so <laughs> i i don't hear about him that often outside of you know just what i research on my own so i i don't know i feel like i can take my time when with a wes anderson movie and it's not going to be a ruin for me probably yeah i think um as you say that i i, I, feel, I feel very similar where i'm just like oh i'll get to it when i get to it yeah. uh which kind of seems unfair to him because he does like put out really good movies, but also on the same hand, I feel like that's because I just so used to them being like, no, this is a good movie. See it when you see it. And, you know, oh. um, I think the only, I think the only one I've ever seen in theaters, um, because most of the time I just, again, it, they happen. And then I'm like, Oh, I wanted to, Oh, I, he had a movie out. Okay. Well, oops. Um, didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, well, that kind of is an interesting question in general, because like how, you know, rigidly do you keep up with, say, Martin Scorsese? I mean, not really either, but I just that's yeah. one of those things where it's just but I feel like Mark, Mark goes, wow. Martin Scorsese, uh, I that's one of your people, man, you got to get his name right. I know, right? I just don't, I don't, I, I don't know, man. It's just hard to say like, oh, geez, that's just really hard to say. Like, I don't feel like I do keep up, but I feel like every time I miss a Wes Anderson movie, I go, oh, I should see that. Whereas I feel like, and it's more of like a surprise thing. I'm like, oh man, I should have seen that when it came out. But I feel like uh -huh. with other directors, I know so much about it happening beforehand that I go, oh, right. 
I need to see that in a different way. And then I like forget to do it or life gets busy or something along those lines. And yeah, I don't know. Well, what a quandary. No, I, I think you make a really interesting point because I always seem to know when a Scorsese or a Tarantino movie is coming out like well beforehand. And sometimes I don't even know about a Wes Anderson movie until it's like, oh shit, that comes out in a week. <laughs> I just saw the poster. Like he doesn't seem to get as much press or, or publicity, despite how much you know he's been successful. Yeah, it's weird. What a, yeah, interesting. I don't know. Hmm. What a, what a weird guy. What a weird guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll definitely see it at some point. Um, I don't think I ever saw Isle of Dogs either, which I should probably. Oh. That's one of my favorites. I mean, not just because it's uh, stop motion and not just because it's about dogs. Um, I do think it's one of those really good ones that has uh, kind of a very beautiful cinematic approach to it with just so many of the vision, like the angles and the approaches of how he frames many of the scenes it's he has this uh i mean what wes anderson does it a lot where he has this very um symmetrical staging and i think this movie actually does a great job of doing it because the environment they do it in is so abnormal he can make it truly be like yep we're gonna do this kind of crazy look to it and that's what's gonna happen mm -hmm. um so i do think that's one of his better uh, movies in my humble personal opinion so okay yeah i i highly recommend that one um i think it's the better out of his two uh stop motion movies the mr fox and isle of dogs i i like this one more than i like mr fox both very good but sure uh, that's fair um did he have a movie in between uh grand budapest hotel and uh isle of dogs um, I don't think he did because that one came out in 2014, and then I think Isle of Dogs was his next one that came out in 2018. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I know all his movies. <laughs> it's that says something about him. Um, but no, I I didn't think he had. So I, I was just curious. Uh, wait, hold on. I'm I'm, 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 uh, I'm checking really quickly to make sure I'm not talking out of my butt <laughs> it's never happened before right exactly it's not like i openly ask people to correct me in our end credits every single uh every episode. single week yeah <laughs> um no i don't think i think i think yeah i think that's the timeline is that he okay did Oh, there was a short. He did do a short. That's where I was thinking. Come together. Um, a fashion yeah, picture. I don't always count shorts, though, because, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, sometimes those don't get any publicity whatsoever. Yeah. And I think, like, and if you look at Wes Anderson's stuff, where you look at the shorts he's doing, it's like, he's like, hey, I already have this set and these costumes and these people working for me. And that's what I'm not saying. That's exactly what happens, but that's what it very much so feels like when you look at like Moonrise Kingdom. And then there's like uh, two shorts that came out afterwards. 
and one is Moonrise Kingdom, an animated books short. Um, and then uh, Cousin Ben's uh, Cousin Ben Troop screening with uh, Jason. Uh, so it's just like essentially just being like, hey, I already have these people and I already have the scenes and I already have like, let's make it happen type stuff. So um, some of his shorts do feel like they're just like, well, I have these people. Let's use them. So he is very much still in an indie slash teenage filmmaker in that regard, because he's just like, oh, well, since you guys are all still here, you want to want to keep hanging out? We, we can try this again. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> I feel like also uh, even his he had a commercial that he did a, the American, uh, the American express commercial, uh-huh. um, which even feels like a, I, I, I get the point. It's supposed to feel like a Wes Anderson movie and they just allow him to essentially do a Wes Anderson movie in a commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much he got paid for that. I don't know. And then like even some of the actors, like he's used in stuff, come back to do that commercial with him. Um, he actually he probably made more on that commercial than he made on some of his earlier films <laughs> right Andy filmmaker i mean I, uh, a, a commercial like that probably pays significantly more exactly yeah That's, there you go so he was he was just cashing in a little bit yeah to, to fund one of his next projects i mean hey i'm not gonna fault the man it's it's not like i feel like um other people that do certain things where they're just like where you're like wow you're selling out but then when you watch the commercial that he does for it it's it's set up like a wes anderson film it has the whole thing where it's like they're shooting one shot and then uh the editing is so iconic in his process where he does things like uh the happens to set a motion of like a, a comedic joke and they do a cut to help emphasize the the drama of that situation and they do it in the shower and then they kind of pant all the way over to the right. And that's like a completely different scene. It happens in moonrise kingdom where they have like the showing casing the house and they showcase the little brother, they showcase one little brother sitting down with the record and then it pans. And then you see the two other little brothers and like that's in the short here. So it's just very clearly they were just like pretty much make a small little movie but like kind of making a joke about how you make these movies and he's like all right let's do it um see so. was having all fun at his own expense <laughs> yeah that's cool um dude the guy lives in paris he works in new york city all the time if he wants to make a commercial like who the fuck is gonna stop him <laughs> right um i also think it's funny like how fans just feel that their heroes should be starving artists their entire lives. Right. It's, it's an interesting situation. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, I think it's, it's cool that he does that. Like, I don't have a problem with any of it. I just don't see like all his shorts or remember all that other stuff too, too much. Yeah. (laughs) I, I barely, keep up with when his movies are coming out so it's it's clearly not on my radar except when he has something new that he's about to release in the theater right well yeah um i think it's 
I mean, it covers a lot of what I wanted to talk about and everything. Yeah. I think the only other thing I was going to say real quick is I yeah. do, like, I started buying all of his movies on the Criterion collection, mm. which I don't do for everything because Criterion is stupid expensive to collect and own. But, um, like, I appreciate that he like takes the time every few years to make sure everything visually is as sharp as he wants it to be. And then I think, I think it's his brother dude or a close friend or somebody does the artwork for the covers of those releases. And that's what you get when you buy it. So mm. I don't know, I, I, like I said, it's not something I always do, but uh, in the, that case, I probably look forward to his movies coming out on Criterion more than anyone else. I mean, that's fair. If on, let me, I'm gonna pull up an image of them because I haven't looked. And yeah, it's definitely somebody close to him who who does the drawings. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no, I've seen these, yeah, yeah. So I I thought that was neat too. Oh yeah, because yeah, a lot of these do show up. I I bet it is his brother because it talks about him. Uh, yeah uh doing stuff for him and i've i've recognized many of these from some of the movies and stuff like that mm -hmm. Ooh, wow i love the moonrise kingdom one yeah that one's really nice oh well damn it jesse why do you gotta show me stuff like this because <laughs> we're nerds dude we <laughs> share our nerdum with people who actually care so yeah uh, yeah wow all right well i guess there's a rabbit hole yeah you can save for later yeah also, one of my favorites is the I think one of my top live action ones he's done is Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, um, man. I, I think everybody pretty much, again, um, it seemed to be his most universally praised uh, movie that he's made. And I think for good reason, I think everything was kind of on point in that movie. Like, I think a story that anyone could get behind. Um, you had a really... A really great cast uh, including some new people he hadn't worked with yet um, visually stunning as always and i don't think anybody was super cringy in their pursuit of love so <laughs> uh yeah he, he avoided some of those things that i think bogged down some of his other movies in certain ways and yeah it's just it's probably is his his best live action work is that movie yeah. Well, okay. All right. Now I'm going to have to shop on the Criterion collection for this stuff. Yeah. You got to be careful, man. They get it's, you. It seems dangerous. Oh, so dangerous. <laughs> definitely is. I've, I've got my eyes on some, some Kurosawa ones. So, oh. Okay. All right. We're stopping this conversation before I go see you. <laughs> Well, thanks, man. I, as we've kind of touched on, this isn't somebody I, I get to talk about often. Uh, and even though he may not be my favorite of all time or anything like that, definitely somebody I admire. So I, I appreciate that we got to do this. I hope he listens and isn't too bad that it came well after his actual birthday. Yeah, I know he's. I'll uh, be absolutely devastated. He's one of our biggest fans. Yeah, if we can't, <laughs> if we can't get him on board. We're in trouble because yeah. 
he, he loves the little guys. So yeah, the outsiders. <laughs> Uh, with that, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening to Hit The Real, the podcast where we talk about the entertainment that we consume and what we really think about it. Um, try to get this podcast out weekly, usually on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays, uh, depending on how much we're doing that weekend. Um, if we got anything wrong, if we were uh, wildly off base because you truly think that uh, the, Grand Buda, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel is the best uh Wes Anderson film uh, out there, please feel free to let us know at hit the real podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's hit the real podcast at gmail.com. Um, or if you think um, I was wildly off base with my uh, very basic and very uh, ill conceived, I think, or uh, ill constructed uh, critique and outlining of some of his characters, please let us know. I'd love to be able to talk with people. I love talking with people about this type of stuff. So, um, Thank you so much. Uh, feel free to take a look at our Patreon uh, in the description of the episode. And hey, like always, keep it real. Mm -hmm.